Thank you so much for listening to Pushing Praxis, Dialogues for Transforming Teaching. This is a podcast with Celeste and Nina, where we talk with educators, organizers, students, parents, and all stakeholders in the education of our young people. We're here to push ourselves to take theories and put them into practice in our classrooms, even and especially when it gets messy. Also, we're full-time educators, not professional podcasters. We're recording these conversations during the socially distanced pandemic, often on weeknights and from our respective homes. So expect background noise and fatigue and real unpolished human complexities showing up in these conversations. We're here to transform ourselves and our listeners through dialogues. So come along for the ride with us. Nina and I talk about this podcast and the project in its infancy. You might hear us call this podcast Transformative Teacher Talk, a title we were considering, and you'll hear us talk about our hopes and dreams for this shared work. We hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, we encourage you to follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's the conversation. All right. Hi, Nina. Hi, Celeste. (laughs) Um, We are uh, chatting today about this podcast idea we have and how we got here, why we want to do this, what we are about. Um, Should we introduce ourselves? Yes. Hi, I'm Nina Hike and I teach uh, uh, in Chicago. Um, And uh, the way that I got into teaching is kind of you know, a story. And so um, when I first, uh, when I was in college, I I dreamed of becoming a doctor. Um, And then I kind of did some internships and I kind of saw that um, that wasn't the path for me. So I was kind of trying to figure out what I should do. And so then um, I remember being on the train and uh, one of my friends, uh, he was a music teacher and uh, he told me about a teaching program where if you weren't initially going to go into teaching, that uh, it was a program where you could get like a master's degree in, in education so you could teach. And so I was like, OK, that sounds like this is on like the CTA train, like on my way home. Uh, and so and so um, I uh, looked into the program and I had always throughout my uh, time at at school, I always was looking, um, I always volunteered, uh, and with students, um, and I worked with the Daryl Singley Youth Foundation. Um, and so we were always going back into the community where I grew up, uh, on the West side to like work with, with students from over there. And so, um, you know, I did the program, it was called Teachers for Chicago, and uh, that's how I uh, became a teacher. Um, and I've been teaching for 25 years now. Dang, that's such a long time. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. incredible. Also, I love that your career is basically like brought to us by the Chicago Transit Authority, like the CTA, <laughs> where all the magic yeah. begins. Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so my name is Celeste. Um, I am also a Chicago public high school teacher, and um, I got into teaching the same same as you, Nina. Like I was not, I did not grow up as a kid being like I want to be a teacher someday. I, even as a young adult, I was not like I want to be a teacher someday. 
Um, I uh, went to school for, I just studied Spanish um, and I did not know what I wanted to do with my life. I just knew that I wanted to be, speak more than one language. It's <laughs> like, this is how you do that. Um, <laughs> so I studied Spanish. Um, and then when I graduated from college, I got into, like I did like a bunch of different jobs in mostly nonprofits. Um, so I was doing like paralegal work and social services. And then I got into um, a job where I was doing public policy and community organizing around U.S. foreign policy in Latin America and also international trade policy. Um, and it meant that I was using my Spanish um, to communicate with people in other countries around their struggles and their um, their struggles for justice in their lives and the ways that U.S. foreign and trade policy interrupted that or or was like a root cause of their um, suffering in a lot of ways. Uh, so I was doing that for a long time. Um, well, what? A long, you just said you taught for 25 years. So for a long time for me, um, I'm in my early 30s. A long time for me is like five years. It was like I had been there for a thousand. Um, so... Yeah, so I started to, I did a, a master's program while I was doing that community organizing um, and public policy work. I did a master's program that was about the cultural foundations of education. And I was using that in a community organizing context, but it was, it, I studied a lot more about like the history of schools, the history of education, um, uh, different like pedagogical histories and approaches to education. And it started to, I started to think about, um, my work not just as like education through community organizing but also like what would it look like if I tried to educate in like a a, a like more tra traditional classroom setting and so I started to think about education as a way to build power among young people oh, and okay. then I transitioned into teaching and I'm like two and a half years in and I'm still trying to figure that out so <laughs> <laughs> this podcast so that's that's how I got into teaching I would say um Nana, how did you and I meet how did we meet so um I was kind of really feeling like you know as as a teacher over the past you know 25 years that um that race and racism weren't really being addressed uh by teachers and um you know just you know, in Chicago, it just seems like it was it was just kind of like in the the elephant in the room, but it wasn't really being addressed. Mm -hmm. And so I expressed uh, my concern about it uh, on social media. And so then I uh, attended a meeting, um, and and then Celeste was there at the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh my God. The revolution brought to you by meetings and the Chicago Transit Authority. Just kidding. Um, yeah, I was also in that meeting and I had, like I said, been teaching by that time for about, I don't know, two years maybe. Um, and it was, I, I was really struggling to find my home in, in education in my schools where I could do my, my job and also like approach my job in in ways that were authentic to me which is that we have to address like systems of oppression um, and build systems of liberation as we teach um, and I was really concerned at how 
like a, a, a there was a total absence of conversation around race and racism um and so i ended up in the same meeting you did and here we are what like, yes, like yes. eight nine months later or something yeah um, it's been a while now yeah oh yeah God. wow what yeah. is time in 2020 yeah. <laughs> and so um i think that um it's important uh to do this podcast because like you know we as teachers you know we we talk a lot about teaching and and you know how we're going to do our lessons the students and how we interact with them but i feel like um we really can't ignore what's going on in society uh anymore right and so mm-hmm. i feel like as as a teacher when i watch that 8 second 8 8 minute sorry not seconds 8 minute video mm-hmm of George Floyd uh, being Mm -hmm. murdered um, by police officers and just that whole dynamic, I I felt like that kind of galvanized me Mm -hmm. uh, into making sure that every moment that I get, that I should be trying to figure out ways to make sure that my students uh, understand and that I understand that America is a very race-based society and that racism is at every every facet of of our interaction um and and I can't let a day go by if 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 it's something happens that's based on race or racism I just said that I I have to like address it and I feel like as teachers um I I feel like my job my role is to get students ready to be able to handle and deal with, you know, how society uh, is going to impact their life, right? So Mm -hmm. no matter how smart they are, uh, that their race, when they walk in the door, is going to cast doubt on what their ability is. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that's something that, you know, I can't ignore anymore. So Mm -hmm. that's why Mm -hmm. why it's important to do this podcast, so that as teachers, you know, we can talk about how race and racism has, you know, impact how we've learned uh, the subject areas that we teach, how we learned um, just interacting with our colleagues um, and just how the school is just ran, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and just education in general in America, how that is definitely been impacted by race and racism and that it, we can't just keep ignoring it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, um, I, have uh that was beautifully said i have nothing to (laughs) add to that in particular i would say um on a on a separate note of why i think it's important to do this podcast um as a white woman i myself am a white woman um i and i know the vast majority of teachers are white women in our district it's maybe more like 50 percent of teachers which is kind of exceptional nationwide it's not at all um reflective of the demographics of students that we have in our district like which are i think 90 percent black and brown students students. Um, so that's still an issue, but as, as a teacher whose, um, like identity as a white woman reflects a lot of the demographics of teachers in general, I feel very, um, I feel very, a a sense of urgency around doing this work so that I, I can transform who I am in that, in education, who I am in my classroom. And so that I can work with other people like me who also are invested in transforming ourselves so that we can, so that we can support our students in robust and powerful ways. Um, so I think that I, I, I will probably bring into this podcast 
not probably, I will certainly bring in my experience as a white woman and how that affects my teaching practice and how I want it to affect my teaching practice. Um, so I think that that's another piece for me that's really, really important is to address that. Yes. And, and, and that was one of the things that I feel like I joined that committee for. It was like, why is nobody addressing the fact that like white femininity is all over this, this profession? Like that's such a huge part of like the culture of teaching. And what does that mean? What are the implications for like the the oppressive tendencies of teaching sometimes like what what is it so that's something that I'm hoping to unpack um, in these conversations that I will definitely be bringing forward and then I would say one other thing that would be important for us to make sure listeners know is like who we teach because we teach in really different schools like when you say the students who demographically walk through your door like their identities um, will sometimes put them at a disadvantage like I teach um, in a in a setting that's not not I wouldn't say predominantly white, but there I have a fair number of students who are white, and so their racial identities will actually put them at an advantage. You know, <laughs> hey folks, Nina and Celeste here. We're interrupting the episode really quickly to say that what you're about to hear is not accurate. Nina and I both had ideas of the racial makeup of our schools but we were wrong. And we're gonna leave the numbers as we thought they were off the top of our head, um, which you'll hear in a second, because it's interesting to hear what we thought our school populations were. Our impressions of our schools are different than they actually are. However, the correct numbers are, for my school, 39% white, 37% quote unquote Hispanic, 7% black, 10% Asian, and 7% other. And for my school, um, it's 45% Black, 44% Hispanic, uh, 7% Asian, 2% White, and 2% Other. All right, back to the episode. That's not universal for my students, but you teach in a different setting. Yeah, I teach in a predominant, yeah, I teach in a a 50% Black, uh, 30% uh, Hispanic. a group of students so it's like our and it's on the west side um of chicago so that's also a thing in terms of chicago mm-hmm. ge- geographically uh it's been segregated for years mm-hmm. um and so uh most of the west side schools are uh black and um hispanic students um and that's the demographic that they use uh hispanic uh for cps mm-hmm. uh so that's that's what um, uh, my school is basically made. The students' mm-hmm. uh, population is made up of that. So, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. and the community also where my school is is also uh, black, right? So it's a black community. Um, mm-hmm. So, what about the community of your school, Celeste? Is it in a a black area or what? What's the community de- demographics? Yeah, so I teach at um, what's called a selective enrollment school. So Chicago Public Schools has these particular schools that students can test into. Um, and selective enrollment schools are, uh, I think they they have a base of, they, they get a lot more resources, whether it's from the city itself or from the parent base, because there's a lot more at selective enrollment schools, it's easy to find a lot of wealthy parents who can like gather and organize their resources to bring in the stuff that's missing from the district, right? Um, so whether it's technology or support for teachers or all of those things. So I teach at a selective enrollment school um, in on the north side of Chicago, and the neighborhood that it's in has been gentrified um, and is predominantly white. Um, uh, the student body at our school, oh God, the numbers off the top of my head, are probably um, 
probably around like 50% Latinx, um, maybe 30% um, black and brown, or I'm sorry, 30% black students. Um, and then maybe, um, oh, the numbers are not, <laughs> I do Spanish, not math. <laughs> and then maybe 20% white students. Um, and I've had, and at the same time, I've had classes that are predominantly white. Um, and th that is also partly due to the fact that a lot of Latinx students that go to our school don't take Spanish one and two, which is what I teach. Um, they'll take something else that's called heritage Spanish for students that have heard Spanish. Um, but to not get too far into the weeds, I definitely have classes that are predominantly white. And so that's kind of an anomaly in Chicago public schools. That's not how most of the neighborhood schools operate, but that's something that you can find in selective enrollment schools, especially in the department I teach. Yeah. And I also teach at a selective enrollment too. Um, and it is, uh, like I said, in a black community and the students are predominantly black and um, Hispanic. Uh, so that's that's the population that I teach in. And so I just don't want to make sure everybody understood that we both have we both are teaching in selective enrollment schools, but on different sides of the city. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely uh, in terms of geography in Chicago, if you are on the north side, <laughs> mm -hmm. you're definitely getting uh, a different type of education than students on the west side. But that's like mm -hmm. a stereotypical thing that, you know, people talk about. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like no matter what side of town I'm on, um, the teaching that I'm doing is uh, going to be great. Mm -hmm, <laughs> so mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't feed into the stereotypes. Um, but just to let everyone know that most people kind of think that, uh, that mm -hmm. if you're up north, if you're up north, then the schools are better. So, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but um, why are we kind of having this conversation? We're having this conversation because we feel like it's important that teachers really start talking about really transforming how they approach their teaching. And when we say transform, uh, we mean that having meaningful conversations about what is it that we are teaching students? Um, have we looked at it through the racial lens, you know, and racism? Or have we been dressing it up and just kind of, you know, letting the racism piece kind of fall to the side and not really engage in it? Um, or are we like trying to really engage in that type of uh, teaching with students and and just making it more of a liberation type teaching and not just a oh, all of the students are going to college and we need to prepare for them college. And we don't have mm -hmm. time to talk about mm -hmm. social social things or yeah. address social things. It's just all this, preparing for the subject area. I want them to be able to be college ready, you know? Yeah. So all of that yeah. lingo about being college ready, but what does it mean to be college ready if when you get to college and you're the only black student in the class? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so then that pre creates a problem, right? So if you're mm -hmm. the only Mexican student in the class, then what does that even mean for you if for the whole time you've been in school, nobody's ever talked about race and racism and how the, you know, how is, you know, addressed in their subject area and the experiences that they've had as teachers uh, being, you know, uh, in, in that area or even being a woman. Right. Um, so in, in, in some of these areas where they may, you know, want to major in college. So I think that that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why you know, we're having this conversation. 
uh, is because teaching is mostly women, right? Mm -hmm. And what of our what are our experiences as women? Uh, what are our experiences as a black woman and a white woman? You know, in teaching. And, and and just our level of thinking about how to prepare students for, you know, the rest of their lives or even just to survive in a college setting. So, yeah, yeah, um, I would I, just to echo what you were saying, like, I think um, the um, I hear a lot in like professional development or in like department meetings that the term equity and um, I think people are. Um, I, I worry that people are paying lip service to like terms that come out that are like, you know, uh, uh, kind of in fashion at the time. Um, and equity is yes. one of the words that you hear now, but like, yes. what is that, what are the actual implications for who we are as teachers, as human beings? Um, and you said this last time you and I talked, um, where you were talking about being like a whole person in the, in the classroom that you can't walk into the classroom and like deny all the identities you have as a human being. And like, those will affect your teaching and making that explicit to students is, is part of being humanized yourself and part of humanizing them. And so trying to, trying to do like, to me, that's also part of why we're talking about transformation in the way that we talk to each other with the way that we teach, because it's not just about paying lip service and like putting it on the agenda of your, of your department meeting. It's about actually thinking about how this transforms you as a teacher and your classroom in like a pedagogical sense, in a sense of like, what is the day-to-day -day practice of your educating young people? And then, yeah, I think, I think um, the other piece that like, why are we having this conversation just to, just to come back to like who we are as people, like you are a veteran black teacher who's been in CPS for years. I am a young white teacher who has come in, uh, I guess I'm not like right out of college into teaching, but I, I am definitely part of a demographic that's like, we, we represent different demographics in our in our own district that I think is important for people to, to understand and important for to hear us dialogue around our understandings of education and how we can build together. Um, right, how we can learn from one another, right? So yes, yes. Um, the learning and the, you know, when we learn, you can learn something, but then it doesn't transform your teaching. Uh, mm -hmm. But we want to try to learn and learn from each other and also, you know, provide uh, the listening audience with authentic ways um, that we are actually going to implement ourselves in our classrooms mm -hmm. and talk yeah. about them to, to try to figure out ways to, for us to transform our teaching. And hopefully yeah. it'll help. It'll help you uh, want to uh, engage into engaging in transformative teacher talk with your with your colleagues um mm -hmm. and so um we're late you know we're calling it transformative teacher talk because we want to make sure that you know we can have a lot of teacher talk <laughs> it can be we can talk about you know with teachers talk all the time we're super um, good at talking yeah, yeah we, we're super good at talking <laughs> but what about how are we implementing um and transforming our teaching uh, mm -hmm. For real. So that's mm -hmm. what we, we have to kind of think about, like, what are we really doing when we talk mm -hmm. and we're in these meetings? Like, what happens when we leave those meetings? Do we have like the reflective conversation with ourselves? Mm -hmm. And then do we then act? Right. So it's all about reflecting and then taking action. Um, and so that's what we mean in terms of transformative teacher talk is that you've you've learned something and that you've reflected on it. 
um, and you've and you've tried to figure out a way to implement it and 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 take action in your teaching to transform your teaching into yes. something new, right? Yes. And so yes. that's that's what this conversation is about, and that's why yep. we that's why we're having this conversation with each other. Um, and it's a way also for me and Celeste to hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, to, you to what put we're, out there. And, yeah. <laughs> we're putting ourselves out there. We're trying mm-hmm. to hold ourselves accountable. And so um, that's that's something that's uh, important too, because as teachers, you know, you'll say that, yeah, 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 I'm going to do that. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. I'm going to do that. But mm-hmm. then like, who's going to hold you accountable totally. uh, to you actually doing it? Yes. Um, yes and yes. so we're, we're trying to be accountability partners with each other yes, also. Absolutely. Um, that's something we're doing. Uh, but how do we as teachers uh, think that race and racism um, defines like student and teacher interactions in the classroom? Uh, for me, for me, I, I, I think that the most profound thing that happened to me uh, in terms of race and racism, I remember taking a grad school course and I remember learning about, um, I think his name is uh, a white scientist uh, that, uh, I think his name is Carl Inez, Um And I remember just always revering him about his system of taxonomy and mm-hmm. teaching it to students in biology. And I think that's his name, but I'm not sure. But I, I think I, I'll, right. look at, I think I'll get it right if it's not. And I remember <laughs> learning um, that in the past that he had a role in eugenics uh, when they were trying to deem, they were using uh, science to deem uh, black people mm-hmm. inferior to to white people um, and using biology, you know, our brain case size and mm-hmm. all of that. And once I found out um, that he was doing that and he was a part of that, mm-hmm. then I it just hel- helped me to like further realize um, the, the impact that race mm-hmm. and racism can have on me just teaching science, right? And me just, mm-hmm. you know, me me foregrounding yes. uh, all of these scientists when I'm talking about genetics, when I'm talking about, um, you know, just discoveries, right? Uh, laws and theories and how most of the time when I'm saying that stuff, it's all white men, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and what kind of implications is that having on my black students and my, mm. you know, Mexican students, my Asian students, like when I'm speaking and revering these black men, I mean, these white men, sorry, mm-hmm. for their discoveries, and then the total absence of other groups of people, other race yeah. and ethnicities. And so I thought that, you know, that that's something. And, and it's always like in the past, it's always like, oh, during Black History Month, you kind of think about the fact that black people and other groups had contributions in science, but then it's like kind of in your mind, you, you never, I've never like said, okay, let me uh, make sure that when I'm teaching about this topic that I put in uh, these other scientists that had an impact too, and not just yeah. talk about white scientists. And so I, I would say for myself in these last few years, I have definitely been 
pushing myself to include uh, women in science like Marie Curie and her contribution and then Percy Julian and Mario Molina and just mm-hmm. really pushing them forward and not keeping them for my own to my own private thoughts mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. actually sharing it with students and I, I think yeah. that that teacher student interaction is important and not not just doing Black History Month or or Mexican American Heritage Month or whatever it's like it should be all the time it should shouldn't be where there's that certain time that I'm talking about these contributions. I should yeah. be inter- interweaving it into my lesson all, all totally. the time. <laughs> so that's totally. that's kind of like how I think about it now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Oh my gosh. Um, I think about the Spanish classes that I had when I was in high school and how it was like literally like Day of the Dead was as much culture as he got, and even then, like <laughs> it was like very whitewashed, and um, and I had no sense of um, indigeneity in the Americas or African descendants uh, as like a, a a major part of influencing culture and identity in this hemisphere um, south of the Rio Grande, right? So like definitely trying to unpack the ways that we ourselves have been educated to um, in like a very whitewashed curriculum, and that we're not reproducing that for our students. And then I think the other piece to me that like I'm consistently and I will probably always be grappling with but that I want to do transparently in our in our conversations is the idea that as a white woman um, at the head of a classroom like how how do like all of the interactions that I have like they are all coded racially and in class and in gender right um, and in sexuality and there's that that is a piece that I think is important to be intentional about and to be um, conscientious of so that if we know that there are ways that um, we as authority figures in a classroom can reproduce harmful models of authority that we can interrupt that on a daily basis in both small right. and large ways so um, yeah. I think that's something yeah. that that you know we, we I'm sure Paulo Freire will come up but he talks a lot about um, you know the he was a Brazilian literacy educator and he kind of coined the idea of popular education though he was not the first popular educator surely but um, he talks a lot about banking education as a very authoritative model of education right and if, right, you, right. if you read his description of it I'm like oh that's like literally every classroom I've ever been right, right, like right, you know right. <laughs> like, it's like the teacher is trying to transmit mm-hmm. the knowledge into the student's brain and not mm-hmm. having what he calls a dialectic conversation having a dialogue with the students and a, mm-hmm. and honoring their prior knowledge that they bring to the conversation and that we're so dominating and controlling that we don't want to give that power up and so, right. and I started, when I read it, um, when I read Pablo Ferry's uh, book, you know, um, Critical Consciousness, I kind of like, I'm like, well, do I want to give that power up mm. as a teacher in the classroom? Mm. And, and how does that work? And how does that look? Yeah. And um, just leaning on students uh, to kind of get the classroom going uh, and decreasing my power in the classroom. And mm-hmm. it, it is a power thing, right? It's it's really power in terms totally. of teacher, you know, teacher dynamic. And, and you mm-hmm. keep telling yourself that, oh, I have all the knowledge about this topic. They don't know it. So <laughs> let me tell them, let me transmit mm-hmm. it. And so I think that that is definitely something. Um, and that kind of segues into the next part of mm-hmm. us saying that, um, how are we um, approaching our teaching? You know, are we mm-hmm. really doing cultural? 
culturally relevant pedagogy in our classrooms? Mm -hmm. Are we looking mm -hmm. at social justice? Are we looking mm -hmm. at equity for real? You know, are we looking mm -hmm. at popular education? Uh, are we looking at abolitionist teaching? Like, what is what is mm -hmm. our real approach? And kind of like defining that for ourselves, like what is mm -hmm. our real approach? What are we really bringing into the classroom every day when mm -hmm. we're teaching? And then how do we define that and reflect about it? Um, I think that that's uh, something critical that we need to grapple with as as, as educators, uh, as teachers. Um, and right now, I, I don't even know where I am on the spectrum <laughs> of, yeah. all of, of all of those different things that I just mentioned. But I do feel like in terms of equity, that I have been working really hard because um, when I hear that term used at school, it, mm -hmm. it kind of it affects me tremendously. And so what I've been doing in the teacher conversations that I've had at school is I've been telling teachers, you know, I asked them, like, what does it mean to be have equity in your teaching and in your classroom? And most mm -hmm. teachers, they start go they go straight to the students and they say, hey, as students, I as a teacher, I need to recognize that students come from a rough background and they, they they're dealing with a lot of things at home. Their home life is rough. Their communities are, you know, in peril and all this other stuff. And, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, that's not really equitable teaching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I say, I said, for me, equitable teaching means I have to look at myself and mm -hmm. I have to see exactly what I'm doing when I'm grading students. Right. So mm -hmm. I have to look at how I am grading them and seeing them and, and, and making sure that they get the level of excellence that they deserve from me um, mm -hmm. when I'm grading their papers. And so what we started doing um, is kind of looking at, like, how are we scoring students, like, in terms of, you know, grading them? And, and what are we doing in terms of our teaching? And so really, I feel like equity is within the teacher um, and that's how you make your class more equitable. It's not the fact that you're seeing students uh, as these students that are that needs your help, that they, they need you to save them and, 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 be re and, and reconsider like things when, you know, because they're struggling and all this other stuff. I feel like mm -hmm. equity is something that lives with the teacher um, mm -hmm. and not not so much with students. Um, not to say that you're going to ignore students uh, lived experiences. But I'm saying that as a teacher, I need to be concerned about what am I doing in terms of teaching them the subject area and, and grading them and assessing them on their knowledge. Like, how am I doing that? And is that equitable? So. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. That's. Uh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I just like everything you said. I, I'm taking notes for myself um, and I feel like there's so much that you that, that was just so rich whatever um just came out of your mouth is like sending me off on so many other tangents of like yes 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 I'm like wanting to talk about a thousand different things but I'm going to control myself um and uh thinking about um so like thinking about the frameworks that we that we apply in our teaching um that is such an important thing to unpack equity the idea of like an equity framework because again like 
like it can become corporate speak where there's like some, you know, it, it is literally void of actual challenge and, and meaning for the people implementing it. It's just like put into these nice little like documents of like, you know, um, transactional things you can do, like don't do this and do that. But it's not, it's not forcing you to like look inside yourself and do deeper, deeper digs um, right, right. Uh, so that you can show up more authentically for your students. Um, and so you're, so that you're, you're not assuming that what you know to be true is true. Um, and I think as teachers, it's super important that we that we rethink the way that our classrooms are run because again, like we were educated in a, probably it's it's very very likely that we were all educated in very specific types of um, education that did not have like um, social justice centered thinking and and popular approaches and like abolitionist teaching like those things. <laughs> right, right, know, right. So we too old, we but, definitely like, that did not exist. no 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 uh, none of <laughs> definitely I I definitely don't feel like I was educated uh, with culturally relevant pedagogy or social justice mm-hmm. or equity or popular mm-hmm. education or abolitionist approaches. Right. Uh, tr- I, I think most teachers were operating in that traditional Eurocentric, you know, uh, thinking, right? So you're not, you know, constructivist thinking that students need to be told this information and they need to understand it and memorize it and then be able to Mm -hmm. regurgitate it on a standardized test. So I think that Mm -hmm. that is definitely the kind of teaching Mm -hmm. uh, that I was in, you know, so that's, that's how I learned as a student. Right. Um, Right. So yes, I definitely didn't hear. And then, and that's how I was as a teacher, right. Until Mm -hmm. fairly recent, I had, I started to hear more about these ways that I can transform my teaching. Right. Hey, this is Lina. Just a quick correction. You will hear me say constructivist thinking and teaching, and I meant positivist thinking and teaching. Now back to the episode. Right. And I've been questioning and reflecting on my teaching. And so I think that that's important that I came into teaching with that transitional Eurocentric constructivist way of doing Mm. things, um, just transmitting knowledge to students. And once they get this knowledge, they're able to regurgitate it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I can score them on the test. And Mm -hmm. then that's it. And that's all I needed to do. So. And then the other piece that you brought up too that I think is so important for um, I I will speak for myself. It's really important for me to like consistently like challenge myself on is that idea that we are not we're not here to save students. Like we are that idea of um, I think you how did you say it? You were talking about how equity is not about. Um, uh, just acknowledging that your students come from hard places and um, and like just feeling a sense of like pity or compassion for them that it's also about giving like delivering them the most the most robust and like meaningful instruction that you can and then it's not about saving like people young people who are in need of saving like that whole savior complex I think is so baked into like teaching and into the culture of teaching um, and that really needs to be challenged because that makes us into um, some sort of like knight in shining armor that's not about power like it's not about sharing power it's about us like holding all the power and like yes like, I agree being generous and like bestowing it upon children and it's not about young people having power it's about young people getting a break or it's about young people like having grit or like all these other things that are not <laughs> not actually right yeah young it's kind of like that that capitalist lens right so we're yeah putting in that capitalist lens and we're telling them pull them up by the bootstraps and all this other stuff. And if you work hard, everything's going to be fine. 
But then mm-hmm. if we if we really think about that, you know, we 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 did that, right? But we both had different experiences in school, even though mm-hmm. we might have pulled ourselves up by the bootstraps, or some people don't even have any bootstraps. I don't know if mm-hmm. I even had any bootstraps. But mm-hmm. um but again, um we, we do have to make sure that we kind of really reflect on what it is our subject is actually teaching students like even Mm -hmm. with the epistemology of the subject and how is it really what is it really foregrounding when we're teaching Mm -hmm. it like what where where is science really coming from and is everything scientific true and right right Mm -hmm. um you Mm -hmm. know what about the ethics behind some of this stuff and then what what is what is your you know teaching spanish really promoting to students Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. what lens is it really promoting um Mm -hmm. uh how you teach spanish and how spanish is being uh you know, captured and, and packaged in, 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 in books and in, in, in uh, lessons and curriculum. Like, mm-hmm. what are you really giving students access yeah. to? Um, is it even real power? Or is mm-hmm. it, like you said, is it just that transmission type teaching that we're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and so who else do we want to bring into the conversation? We Ooh. would like to bring everybody. Yeah. <laughs> into this conversation so we are i think we want to hear from parents we want to hear from students mm-hmm. we want to hear from political people you know uh we mm-hmm. want to hear from everyone because everyone has a different lens to look at education um and i think that a lot of times uh you know it depends on who you are you may not see the seriousness of teachers really trying to transform their classrooms and having mm-hmm. that talk. And so your yeah. voice and your lived experiences as parents and students and politicians, community organizers, your voice is very important to this podcast because yeah. you're going to bring a different lens on how you're impacted um, from the diet the dynamic of teacher-student interactions that's happening with your children, your grandchildren, your friends' children. Um, you know, so I think that that's important. Uh, those are kind of like the different people that I think uh, we want to bring into this conversation. And I'm not sure, Celeste, if you want to add any people. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i hoping that we can also, yeah, have... You you captured all the all the demographics. I think I, I I think the point is that we are here doing this work because not because we have all the answers. Like in fact, we have I think more questions than anything. And right, we want to, right, right. to do to do the to do the work to to learn and to be challenged by people who all have a vested interest in education. Like there's no like schools. I think. Um, uh, there really is no separation between like the school, what happens in the classroom and the communities that the students come from. Like we all bring that stuff into the classroom with us. And so anyone who is connected to that, which is literally everyone in the community, um, uh, connected to the school has a say and has something to to share with us that we can learn from. So, um, yeah, meaningful teacher talk so that teachers can transform ourselves and everyone needs to be part of this talk. We have have a lot of people to learn from. So, yeah. Yes, yes. I know we've talked a lot about what we want to come out of this podcast um, uh, already. Is there, what, do we have like any, um, any like, like hopes and dreams in particular about like if this went as well as we wanted it to, what would, what would be coming out of this podcast? For me, I think um, transformative teacher talk, uh, what I want to 
uh, come out is for me as a teacher, you know, to see um, my own personal growth as a teacher, because I feel like sometimes as a veteran teacher, a lot of a lot of teachers feel like they've they've arrived and they're their best already. Um, and I just feel like for me, I'm still learning and um, adding to my teacher toolbox. And so I feel like it's going to be me seeing myself over these next podcasts, really um, transforming how I talk to other teachers, administrators, community members, and everyone, uh, my own family members, um, and also Celeste, like, will I really see a, a transformation um, in myself? And that if, you know, I, in the in in the way where I'm transforming, will will I see transformation? You know, in my school community, uh, or even you know the whole system itself. Like, what what kind of mm -hmm. transformation is is going to take place? And so, um, that's that's what I'm hoping will come out of this. That mm -hmm. my own personal growth, as well as my personal growth, hopefully galvanizing other teachers. Even though you may be a veteran teacher, <laughs> mm -hmm. you still can you still can become a better teacher, right? You can still mm -hmm. transform some things, and so that's what I'm hoping uh, that will come out of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yes. I also hope that we get a chance to grow this community. Like we, I think the the committee meeting that we went to where we first met has has become different work, and a lot of other people have come into that work and 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 labor around racial justice in our schools um, has has grown I think for both of us and the community of people doing that has grown and I, I hope that this podcast can also serve to to grow the community of people who are looking um, and and hungry for um, uh, for more transformational teaching for more transformational pedagogy for more to, to like learn not just what that means in theory but like how how do we actually apply this in our classroom because I I hope that we that um in in my hope and dream I would be vulnerable enough to say like this is what I tried in my classroom and it flopped or like this is what tried right. in my classroom and it's changed every way I've thought about teaching you know or yes, or yes. I really need to I really need to look more deeply at this thing that I always thought was true um and so that piece of transformation that that is is both like getting at our core as educators and also like being demonstrated for us in the nitty gritty of our like lesson planning and of our implementation and of our assessments and like our grading things and all of that. Um, so I guess that's not that's not like a pretty package of like hopes and dreams. It's like a kind of a big hope and dream. <laughs> right, right. It is. It is. But but I but... hope people feel motivated to come along with us. I know I know for the first couple of years of teaching, I was so hungry for conversations like this. Like I was I was like dying to be able to like strategize with people. And, and I just feel like I couldn't I couldn't find it. And yeah, I'm just yeah, so excited that, yeah, that we're doing yeah. this. Yeah, because sometimes at school you don't want to show vulnerability because, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want people to be like, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to, you know, to maybe be vulnerable yeah. um, in front of people. But I think that um, this, you know, transformative teacher talk will give people a kind of a, a window into our classrooms and into us uh, as how we are as individual teachers. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it could, you know, spark some uh, transformation uh, where we're, you know, we're pra we're putting things into practice <laughs> and mm -hmm, we're trying mm -hmm. to see how that is going to, you know, transform our 
our way of yeah. teaching. So, yeah. and we want to thank everyone um, for listening to uh, Transformative Teacher Talk. And um, that's it. Yeah. Yay. We're so excited to get started. Hooray. <laughs> thank you, Nina. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Pushing Praxis, Dialogues for Transforming Teaching. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we encourage you to like and share this content with your community. Follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email us at pushingpraxis at gmail.com. Check out our website at pushingpraxis.org.